We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pearson. I'm going to be joined, as always, by my co-host Aaron Lemming, and on this episode. We are going to break down the latest around the NFL world as conference championship weekend wrapped up. It is now time for the Senior Bowl and East-West Shrine Bowl going on this week in Mobile and Las Vegas. We'll also talk the latest on some cap situations as the league has now announced the official cap number. Before we get into all that, though, let me bring in my co-host Aaron Lumming. Aaron, uh, how did you enjoy championship weekend? Uh, for me, I, I didn't really mind who won that NFC game. I was kind of rooting for the Bengals and the AFC, but I think we're going to get a good Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those. I I guess the, the Bengals and Chiefs game was definitely more interesting in that second half. But honestly, it was kind of, at least to me, man, that first game especially was just not very good. Obviously, the, the quarterback situation with San Francisco was not ideal. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like you just got to try to enjoy, uh, you know, the fact that, that that's the last time that we're going to see multiple football games um, for quite a while. So, you know, obviously we've got this break uh, with the Senior Bowl and everything else that's going on. And then, uh, you know, next week we'll we'll kick up with all the, the Super Bowl stuff when we got the Super Bowl. And then shortly after that, we got the combine and now we can finally get the off season underway. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I, I haven't been as, I won't lie. I haven't been as interested in the playoffs this year. I don't know if it's just burnout from the regular season. If it's just, you know, the storylines haven't been as interesting, uh, but I felt like this last week was just kind of a dud with the games overall. Yeah. I mean, the 49ers won and, and the Eagles kind of was just a damper because I thought that could have been a really, really good game. Um, obviously the, the 49ers, once Brock Purdy got hurt, um, you know, Josh Johnson, he did his best, but it, it just, it, it felt like that was the game right there when Purdy got hurt on that, on that first 49ers drive. And then Johnson goes out and they literally had no one to throw a football. I, I know a lot of people were upset that Purdy wasn't attempting passes, but now we you know found out he had a, a legit elbow injury and it probably killed him to throw those two like short screen passes that he actually threw. So yeah, I don't, you know, I'm just, for me, the chiefs are the chiefs. I, I'm, 
I'm kind of sick of them winning the AFC, AFC Championship game every year. I don't I don't know what it is where they've become kind of an unlikable um, team. I, I actually was rooting for them the last time they went to the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. And even before then, I thought it was kind of a fun story. Mahomes getting his first Super Bowl against the 49ers. Since then, man, it's just like, I don't know if it's me, but I kind of feel like this way with a lot of teams now. They always play the card of no one believes in us. We're being disrespected, blah, blah, blah. Like we saw it with Georgia in the national championship game where Kirby Smart and a couple of players said that no one predicted them to be there. I mean, they were the preseason number one. They were the team that went wire to wire essentially. And, and everyone was pretty much figuring, okay, they're going to be in the national championship game again. Kansas City kind of did the same thing where they're like uh, a couple of players are like, no one believes in us. The Bengals were talking trash. I mean, the only thing the Bengals said was Burrowhead, which was like, if that gets you upset, what? I mean, whatever. But um, yeah, it was kind of weird to me. They, they just kind of turned into this dynamic where I kind of felt like the Chiefs were like, not America's team, but a lot of the country was rooting for them when they went to their first Super Bowl because of Mahomes and they had such likable guys. And now it's like, man, like they just, I don't know. I, I still like Mahomes, but like, so they have some unlikable guys on that roster in terms of personality. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but that was kind of just my big takeaway um, from that AFC game. Well, I think so. I I do agree with what you're saying, but I do remember, and I don't know if you remember this back at the beginning of last off season when uh, Devonte Adams got traded to Vegas, and then you know uh, uh, the Chargers landed all those guys defensively, like Khalil Mack, and they made a bunch of moves, and then obviously. Um, you know, Russell Wilson getting traded to Denver. There were quite a few people, national guys, and I guess kind of more local, not really local to Chicago, but I wouldn't really call them national, um, that basically were like, oh, the you know, Chiefs run's done, blah, blah. And I think there were some people that kind of wondered how that offense was going to run without Tyreek Hill. So I do think that there was a little bit of, uh, I don't know if I'd say doubting, but maybe just that the division finally caught up. And as we saw, I mean, they're very clearly still the best team. And but, but you know what I've noticed is it seems like the longer teams go on sustained runs of success, the 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 you know less likable they become. Uh, I know this is not a one for one analogy, but you know it's kind of the same thing as I don't know if you remember when uh, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series and they had that nice little run that they had. That first year they were super likable, right? And, and then it kind of got to a point where you had, you know, rest in peace, but you had uh, Jordan Ventura um, that was always starting stuff on the mound with different hitters. And you had just like all those guys became extremely unlikable. And then as the, you know, as it went on, then it just kind of got old. I, I feel like kind of the same way for Houston, obviously a little bit different with the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the whatever scandal it was the whole you know wire thing or whatever the trash can thing but like i feel like there's always it seems like you know even with new england back in the day like that usually teams that have sustained success over a long period of time they go from being a likable team to an unlikable team uh very much the same way as even the packers obviously not relatable for bears fans but you know the packers kind of that same way when they went you know 2010 when they ended up winning the super bowl and kind of on there were a lot of people who like them and a lot of people who kind of followed. And then as we've seen over the years, you know, some of the personalities, including Aaron Rodgers, everything's kind of got old and whatever. So I think, I do think to a certain extent, I think that I'm sure that there's, there's probably any time that you've done as well as they have. I mean, they've been in the Super Bowl, uh, you know, three of the last four years. And then all of a sudden you got people not even predicting them to win the division. I think that there is certainly a level of disrespect. I do think that some of it was warranted just simply based on, who they lost and then whatever happened else in the division. But ultimately I think what we're all kind of seeing and what we've seen, especially I'd say over the last like three or four years, just 
as social media has continued to grow and everything else is like, there's all these like weird references and these weird chips on the shoulders, like the whole Packers thing last year, the whole last dance stuff. Like you can't have a last dance if you've never had any success with the current core. Like it just doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. This isn't Jordan. Uh, you know, this isn't the Jordan bowls. Like the, you know, this isn't the, the Kobe and Shaq Lakers. Like this isn't anything close to that. But I think that, as more documentaries have come about, as more like the access to historical information has come about, I think that there's been a lot of different shifts and philosophies and just the way that people think. And they think that things are more like relatable than they really are. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, uh, you know, I had the Bengals winning that game. I won't lie. I, I was definitely rooting for them. I thought they were going to win it. I think Joe Burrow may not be as good of a quarterback overall as Patrick Mahomes, but I think there's definitely something to be said for how well he performs in the playoffs. Um, but either way, I think it's going to be a solid, I think it'll be a solid Super Bowl. I mean, if you want to flip it and look at the other side of the things, I thought the Eagles were going to win the division, but no way, shape, or form did I think they were going to be a dominant number one seed that basically just trampled their way through the playoffs. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right on the um, the preseason stuff with um, the Tyreek Hill trade and everything like that. I think that a lot of people thought the Chiefs were going to take a step back and it might be um, not a rebuild year fully, but maybe a year where, um, you know, they'll be in the playoffs. They'll... Um, you know, hang around, but maybe they're not the favorites in the, in the, in the um, AFC, but like more towards like middle of the season when they kind of got their run still, even going to the playoffs, they were still kind of had like, no one believes in us type mentality. I, I just did not, I didn't, I honestly did not see it from that, that standpoint. I still thought they're a really good team. And, and when you have Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, it, it, you should be a contender no matter what, um, obviously with the AFC West, supposedly, or, or the thought was they were going to get better in the offseason. I could kind of see maybe some of the predictions thinking that the Chiefs would finish second or something like that. But like I said, I mean, it, it should be a good Super Bowl. Um, the Eagles, yeah, they were a team that I thought was going to be good. Um, maybe not this good. And honestly, man, when you look at these teams, even the, the, the two teams that lost, like their roster is full of a lot of talent, duh. But when you look at where the talent's at, like a lot of it is the the um, the trenches too. I mean, you look at the 49ers, they have a really good offensive line. They have a really damn good defensive line. Like the, the 49ers and, and Eagles defensive lines were probably the two best in football 
um, arguably this season. And you look at Philadelphia, they had probably the best offensive line in football, one of the better offensive lines in recent years. Um, you know, and then you look at, at the Chiefs. They have a dominant guy in Chris Jones. They have really good players on that defensive line as well. Their secondary is a little banged up and, and struggling. And, you know, Cincinnati kind of had they, – they have pieces. They have guys that, that play well. They don't have any superstars, I'd say, on defense. But they have stars on um, – offense as well so for me uh, when I look at these teams I, I look at the Bears and I say build in the trenches kind of use those blueprints now it's probably gonna take a little longer just because um I, I think these four teams are are obviously ahead of where the Bears are at but I think the Bears are gonna have to find that superstar power um you know finding a Jamar Chase and hopefully building around their quarterback but for me in the trenches, it starts. Get me a, a, a dominant defensive line. Get me a dominant offensive line, and then kind of build from there. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Eagles have like 70 sacks uh, yeah. during the regular season? Something crazy. Second most, or either they either tied for second most um, in like a what 17 or 18 game span with the 84 Bears, and then the 85 Bears actually have the most. I think they can still break the record. I don't know. I saw the original stat, and then I saw another stat where they only counted up to 17 games because how many of the Bears played that year. But no, dude, they had four. Do they have four guys with 10 plus sacks on that defensive line? That's oh, yeah. Insane. I mean, look at look That's at their crazy. interior. Look at their interior. Oh, yeah. They had Fletcher Cox, who honestly it's shocking that he's still playing at the high level that he is. Javon Hargrave, who's going to be a free agent at you know 30 years old this year. Then they had uh uh so Jordan. Jordan Davis, I think, right? The 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 rookie out yep, of, uh, out of yeah, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. And then, yeah, you look at their edge rushers. It's like Hassan Reddick comes over and was outstanding. Brandon Graham was outstanding. Uh, Josh Sweat. I mean, they had, dude, they just had, and that's the thing. Like when you look at, that's, a, and I think, again, we'll, we'll get more into this as the offseason moves along, but like everybody wants to focus on the starters, right? Everybody wants to focus on, you know, getting the right starters, but depth is so crucially important I mean, just look at their edge rushers, for example. Like, Robert Quinn was probably, what, their fourth or fifth best edge rusher. Keep in mind, they gave up a fourth-round pick to get him. I mean, they did. signed Sue, too. Yeah, they had yeah. Sue, and they had um, – who was the other uh, – Oh, yeah. Um, had another veteran. He's a former Eagle. I think he came back, didn't he? Yeah, I can't he – was, he was more – he wasn't really much of a pass rusher. But either way, I mean – when you look at the defensive line and they look at their offensive line, I mean, they're once again, they have one of the better offensive lines in all of the league. Lane Johnson's been playing hurt and he's still a stud. Um, they got, you know, a, just a multitude of different guys. I mean, uh, Kelsey's still playing at a crazy high level, even for as old as he is. It's yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like you said, you look at both of those teams and you look at building in the trenches. I mean, I think Kansas city is a prime example of, you know, you look at what they had at receiver, and it was nothing flashy. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was probably, in terms of, like, name value, the best guy. Um, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like, they basically had a bunch of twos and threes and fours, and they were able to make it work. Obviously, Travis Kelsey doesn't hurt having that um, on that side of the ball. But, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the offensive line, and you look at the, you know, the quarterback quality, and, and that's kind of why I feel like, yeah, obviously the Bears need to upgrade a receiver, but I feel like upgrading the lines is a much more is a much bigger issue for them moving forward and the other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up you know on the topic of the Kansas City Chiefs and I don't know if you caught this or how many people caught this yesterday it's been kind of making its rounds on uh, Twitter but on the uh, Parkinson Spiegel show on 670 the score they had uh, Patrick Mahomes' dad Pat Senior on yesterday 
And he apparently broke the news that uh, the Bears, had, I guess, apparently promised uh, Mahomes that they were going to take him number three overall. Um, and of course, that, that just kind of started this uproar. Now, again, it is what it is. I know Mahomes has kind of talked in the past about there was one team that had basically kind of like promised if he got past 10 or whatever I, I that think, they were going to. I think Mahomes said in the past that the Bears had him as QB1. Yeah, I think. I, yeah. I think that sounds about right. So, like, the um, and, new thing was that Mahomes' dad said they were going to take him. Yeah, and, and, you know, here's the thing with that. Okay, like, we very, very well know that Ryan Pace's entire process for that 2018 draft class is what it is. But my bigger point is, and don't get me wrong, and it's crazy, I've actually had a few different people that have, like, retweeted random Patrick Mahomes takes that I had back uh back at you know during that that the draft time and stuff like that like i patrick mahomes was one of those guys for me where i looked at him and it was like you could just look at him and it's like yes superstar he had superstar potential right but he also had it you know at least with me with just how he played quarterback and how texas Tech's offense worked and all that stuff he, he also had kind of one of those dangerously low floors where if he didn't go to the right team you know, things weren't going to work out the way that they should have. Now, I think Kansas City was a best possible solution for him. I will go to my grave believing that if the Bears would have drafted Patrick Mahomes, he may have ended up being pretty good or being flashy or whatever. But I don't think he ends up nearly the quarterback that he is right now. I, I think people really underestimate, one, how bad the Bears situation was when they drafted Trubisky. I think people forget that Cam Meredith was their number one receiver moving in the training camp before he completely destroyed his knee and their number one receiver going into the regular season was Kendall Wright versus, you know, the situation where Patrick Mahomes, where they were already a playoff team. They already had an established offensive line. Uh, they already had an established offense as a whole with one of the better offensive minds in all of football. And he was able to transition at his own pace um, into that role. I just think, well, I understand people being upset and, and frustrated. I think there's a lot of people who want or, severely underestimating the fact that yes Patrick Mahomes had a crazy high ceiling but he also needed to go to the right place in my opinion and then two just how bad the, the Bears situation was when they drafted Trubisky and how bad of a situation it was in 2017 and also how bad of a situation it was historically taking you know a, a quarterback in year one and then completely changing up the entire regime entire coaching staff and everything else around him going into year two i just don't think it's i don't think it's one of those things where patrick mahomes lands with the bears and he's exactly the quarterback or even close to the quarterback that he is uh right now with the chiefs so i i do agree with you on that um i also am in the thought process of i think some quarterbacks just have it and i think um when you have it, you have it and you make everyone around you better. I think there's very few um, that we've seen, you know, in our, what, you know, let's say like the last 20 years, you could probably count on one hand. I think Mahomes is one of those guys, but where I do agree with you on that is that I don't think Mahomes would have been as good as quick as he was. If that kind of makes sense, you know, like, like you mentioned, I mean, the bears wide receivers, in 2017, um, when you look at that group, I mean, they were abysmal. They were pretty damn bad. I mean, I'm, I'm just pulled it up right here. Um, just kind of looking at some of these names, you have Josh Bellamy, Kendall Wright, Dontrell Inman, um, Trey McBride, Marcus Wheat, Kevin White played a game. Deontay Thompson was out there. 
So I, I do agree with that. Um, I do think, though, that Mahomes would be at this stage right now, if he was on the Bears, I think, you know, in 2022, 2023, he'd still be a superstar and he'd still be a top three quarterback. I just think it'd take him a little longer just because, like, I mean, to your point, you know, they had nothing. They're going to go through a coaching change. Um, they did, you know, bring in Allen Robinson. They did draft Anthony Miller, who had a really good rookie season. Um, you know, they signed Taylor Gabriel. I think the Bears would have been in a better spot than they are now, obviously, but I do think Mahomes still would have been a superstar. Um, I just don't think it would have happened as quick. Um, I think, you know, it's hard to say. I don't want to say, like, yeah, the Bears would have a Super Bowl. Yeah, the Bears would be in two Super Bowls. Um, they'd be going for their third. I I think it's just too hard to, to say that. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I agree with you, but I also think that, like, when, when a quarterback has it, he, he just has it. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah, that was interesting, though, listening to the Mahomes um, thing from his father yesterday. But, um, all right, Aaron, let's dig into something here that I think is pretty important and, and you brought up before the show. Um, obviously, uh, as we sit here and conference championship week's over, free agency will be starting in March. Um, you look, the NFL is pretty much, you know, has put out their salary cap number this year. No surprise. It's going to jump to uh, $224.8 million in 2023. Um, that's a record high. And I've seen a couple takes on this on Twitter, and I know where you stand on it. So I'll let you explain your take on it. Um, but people are saying it's it's I've seen both good and bad for the Bears um in this situation. How do you kind of see this as the salary cap numbers going up with what the Bears have to spend? Well, I mean, I, I don't I, I I guess I just don't understand how anybody can think that it's it's a bad thing. I mean, it's like I, I, I get that salary cap has gone up for everybody. Right. But at the same time, like, let's just, uh, I'm just going to walk you through right now and, and just kind of read these. So if you go on over the cap, which I would recommend over spot rack. Now spot rack has its advantages with other sports. Uh, here's what I'll say with over the cap, over the cap actually gets their numbers straight from the source and their numbers are always much more updated. And I'll, I'll just pretty much leave it at that. Okay. So, Anyway, you know, outside of that, when you look at this, right, so there's there's two different figures. If you go onto their website right now, they, and if you click on the salary cap space um, portion of this, there's two different numbers that you can look at. One of them is cap space and one of them is effective cap space. Now, cap space is just simply where each team is right now without counting the draft class, without if, if a team's at 36 players, which I'm not saying any, any team is. Uh, well, actually, I guess the 49ers are at 35 players and the same thing with Chiefs. Um, then... That will give you the number of like the, the amount of cap space that they have without accounting to them getting to 51. So, for example, right now it says the Bears have 50 players when in reality if they have 49 uh, because Angelo Blackson's $500,000 uh, um, deferred basically or I, I can't even remember what it is. The Basically, the, the, the dead money deferred. I'm drawing a blank on the exact name of it right now. Um, still counts as technically a roster spot until he signs elsewhere and then it'll move over his dead money. So they technically have 49 players, which means they need to add two more guys at, you know, 750,000 to be able to get up to the 51, uh, you know, the 51 limit. And then when you factor in their draft class, which is right around $8 million right now um, after, you know, the effectiveness of, I'm just trying to think of how to describe this. So basically with effective cap space, once you get to 51 players, every other player that signs after that, you would just wipe out 
the lowest contract from there. So for example, for the bears, like let's say they go out and they sign to Ron Payne to a, you know, let's just say $18 million per year as cap hits $18 million. It would technically only technically only count as uh, $17.25 million towards the cap because you're wiping out the the next lowest contract, which would be $750,000. So that's kind of how the effective cap space works. And this is just kind of a breakdown to kind of give you an idea. Cause if you look at cap space right now, it's, it's a little little deceiving just because some teams aren't at the 51 limit. And then also, obviously, you have to be able to pay your draft class. So, I mean, ultimately, one way or another, that's going to end up becoming a factor. So when you're looking at effective cap space, damn near half the teams in the league right now, there's a total of 14 teams in the league right now with effective cap space, including draft class and all that, would be under or, or sorry, over the cap right now. I mean, just to give you an idea, like the Saints – uh, would be $62 million over the cap. The Buccaneers would be $58 million over the cap. The Titans, 28. Uh, the Vikings, 25. The Jaguars, surprisingly, 25. Uh, the Packers would also be sitting right around 20.3 um, over the cap. So, yes, um, in some ways, it obviously does help teams. And obviously, there's many of ways for teams, as we saw with the Packers and as we've seen with teams in the past, even the Bears, like there's multiple ways that you can mess with the cap to be able to get under it and be able to make the moves that you need to make. With that being said, there are a grand total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams that are under the cap, but they have less than uh, $15 million to spend right now. So Again, I, I guess when I, I guess what I'm saying here is, and this is including rollover. So, like for example, the Commanders with Ron Payne, right? They've got uh, they have uh, Montez Sweat and they have Chase Young that they're going to need to pay at some point. Plus, they have you know even with after they cut uh, Carson Wentz and all that. Right now, they're at six point six million dollars in cap space. They can make some moves. They can probably get to right around thirty five, forty million dollars comfortably. But after you know the draft class and everything else. Like you're looking at a team that's not going to have very much to spend and they have to figure out the quarterback situation. They have to figure out a bunch of other stuff. So again, a lot of people are sitting here looking at it saying, okay, Deron Payne is very likely to get tagged. Well, everything that's come out of Washington so far has actually said the exact opposite. Again, we don't know. We're not going to know for about another month who's going to get tagged and who's not. But I think that when you look at the fact that the Bears are sitting right now, they'd be sitting at $91 million in regular cap space and effective cap space. They'd be sitting right around 82. Um, you know, that m- number may fluctuate a little bit, whatever. The next closest team is the Falcons, and they have uh, about $34 million less than the Bears spend. And then you jump down, like if you combine, let's just put it this way. If you combine the Giants and the Bengals at 44 and $43 million, they have they still have less money combined than what the bears do to spend. So the bears are so far on top of the market right now that while the the free agent market may not be great and yes, you know, the cap going up does help teams, the bears are still in an advantageous position to not only front load things, do whatever they need to do. They have to spend right around 150 million dollars in actual cash assets moving towards the 2023 season. So that means whether it's a $30,000 signing bonus, whether it's an extension with a $20,000 or $20 million signing bonus, whatever it may be, they have to spend about $150 million towards 2023, that account towards 2023. And again, that doesn't, it's not cap space, it's cash, it's cash flow. But regardless of the fact the bears are going to have to spend quite a bit of money and they're going to have to get very um, creative and how they do that. So I, I just, I don't know. I, again, it's all opinion at this point. We'll have to see what happens, but 
I don't see this as a negative. I think this is exactly, I mean, over the cap had the the cap projected at 225 million um, for the last like six or seven months. So, I mean, it's $200,000 short of that. I think the reality of it is, is that the cap's going to continue to go up. But I think for this year, especially the bears are in far and away the most advantageous position out of any team, not to mention they also have the number one overall pick and some, some high picks and quite a bit to uh, quite a bit to work with. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean they're gonna have a they're gonna have a good amount of money to work with. Like you said, they're gonna have to spend a certain amount, so they're gonna spend. Um, it, it also counts with other things in terms of contracts, the the players on the roster, et cetera. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting um, free agency period upcoming in March. Um, before we get there, though, Aaron, we should kind of talk about uh, the two events that are going on th- this week. Um, the Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas takes place. Uh, I believe it's Thursday night at uh, Legion Stadium. Um, but the big one that the Bears are going to be well represented in in terms of coaching staff is a senior bowl. And things got underway on Tuesday with the first practices. Luke Getze is a coach um, at the senior bowl, coaching one of the teams, as is assistant Carlos Polk, who's the assistant special teams co- uh, coordinator, um, assistant tight ends coach Tim Zetz, and then linebackers coach Dave Borganzi are also on staff coaching. And this is a chance, man, for the Bears to kind of uh, – get a first look at, at some of the prospects as you know, they say the road to the draft begins in mobile. Um, this is also a big chance for prospects to impress NFL scouts and press teams, um, general managers, as we've already seen, you know, there's some guys out there that are kind of uh, making some um, big plays in, in Tuesday's practice, you know, Jaden Reed out of Michigan state, uh, Dewan hand or Dewan, Dewan Jones out of Ohio state are two guys are kind of lighting up on my uh, Twitter feed right now about um, their first practice. But yeah, you know, Ryan Pohl, Ryan Poles is there. Matt Eberflus is there. Ian Cunningham's there. A bunch of bear scouts are there. So it's, it's an important event. Um, however, just because the bears are coaching, it doesn't mean they're going to take a player that's playing in this game. The bears coached this in 2017 um, under John Fox, when they had the number three overall pick, they traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. You look at that draft, you look at that roster, man. The only player that the bears took that they draft that that was on um, a roster for the senior bowl that they got a chance to look at was offensive tackle Jordan Morgan out of a uh, cutstown and he didn't last very well in that same draft man there was a lot of pretty solid players out there Rasul Douglas is a name out of West Virginia as a defensive back 
Um, Hassan Reddick out of Temple, who ended up going as a first round pick. He was, um, you know, a, a player that had a really big um, senior bowl in front of uh, um, John Fox, the staff. Larry Ogunjobi was out there. Um, and then the name that always gets me, um, I think he was actually on John Fox's team. Um, yeah, the North team was uh, actually all those guys were. Sorry, I, I was reading down this list. Cooper Cup. The Bears had a uh, look at Cooper Cup. Obviously, did not take him. Um, I don't know, you know, if, you know, if, if if he would. How many people thought actually he'd be that good? He was on the roster for the Bears. So was running back Kareem Hunt. Um, and looking at the other roster, the South team, which um, Cleveland actually coached, not as um, the talent isn't doesn't really stand out as much there. I mean, there's you know three tight ends: Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, OJ Howard were on that roster. Um, the white the offensive linemen weren't as great, in my opinion. And then looking at and the defensive side of the football, there were a couple players just kind of going through the list. You know, Tredavious White um, was obviously a notable one there. Um, Jake Elliott as a kicker was there. But, yeah, I mean, this is a good chance for the Bears to evaluate. But we should also keep in mind, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to take a player. Um, that's not to say we can't pay attention to it, we can't look at it, because I do think these meetings are still important because of the early look at kind of the players the Bears are scouting. Um, but just don't think, oh, because the Bears met with, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're, they're necessarily going to take him. Yeah, well, and I think that's something that, you know, we should have all learned probably quite a while ago in terms of draft meetings in general, right? It, it's it's probably indicative to more like high round guys, right? Within the first, like I'd say, you know, first two or three rounds of the draft, like you're probably like, especially the first round, which the Bears have frankly had, what, one first round pick in the last five drafts um, or four drafts or whatever it may be. And it's, it's like, you know, it's usually indicative that a team is going to want to interview and, you know, go through the process with a guy, especially if you, you're taking him within the top 10. So I, I would say that, you know, as this, pro, you know, as this process moves along, you go to the combine, stuff like that. Like if they don't meet, like, let's just hypothetically say, if they don't meet with like Will Anderson, Will Anderson or uh, Jalen Carter and, you know, whether they pick at one, four, seven, nine, it doesn't really much matter. Like you could probably rule the, those guys out as, 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 as targets. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, when you're really looking at it in terms of like advantages of, of Luke Getze being, you know, the, the head coach for, for one of the teams, uh, you know, with, with the shrine bowl or sorry, with the, with the senior bowl. And then you look at the shrine bowl stuff. Like there's just, I think there's a reason that the bears were offered to coach it as a whole. Uh, Cause they've, and for anybody who hasn't really followed along um, this year, they kind of changed up how things are going normally in the past, like senior bowl, uh, you know, teams have been coached by usually teams within the, you know, the top three to five picks in draft. Like ideally they always want number one and number two, but obviously, you know, if a, if a coaching staff has been fired or there's a bunch of changes and that's obviously a different situation um, that has now moved over to the East West Shrine Bowl game where they would, they would rather have those. And they're basically trying to prop that game up a little bit more Um and then they're basically just taking different, uh, you know, different coaching uh, or more the point, different coaches from different coaching staffs and kind of combining them all together uh, for the senior bowl. So it's definitely interesting. But, yeah, like you said, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of ties to be drawn. And frankly, 
it, it's one of those situations, I think, for the Bears, uh, where until we see what they're going to do with the number one overall pick, we obviously don't have any idea. But I would have to guess, um, you know, the Bears are sitting there. They've got, you know, first round pick, a second round pick, a third round pick, two fours, two fifths uh, and a seventh. I have a feeling that when things are all said and done, I mean, taking out the obvious trading, you know, number one overall and and, and picking up whatever else, I'd have to imagine that Ryan Poles is going to move around quite a bit because the Bears need to, you know, maneuver quite a bit. So it's just one of those things where really when it comes down to it, the Bears are probably going to end up having, you know, 10 plus picks again. And frankly, they're going to interview and meet with, you know, 100 plus prospects. And ultimately, I just don't think there's going to be a whole lot of ties to be drawn. Um, but I also think this is this is kind of the fun part of a new regime where, like, I think for the most part, we all had a pretty good idea of what Ryan Pace liked and what his tendencies were in the draft. And as of right now, I mean, we only have one draft full, one offseason, really, of, of Ryan Poles. We have no idea what his trends are, what his preferences are in terms of trading up, trading down. Does he like to trade? Was that just out of necessity last year? You know, what's his you know, what's his uh, tendencies when it comes to early rounds, you know, in the draft, like, you know, stuff like that. Like there's a lot to learn. And I think that that's kind of what makes things more interesting, uh, you know, as we move into this process. Cause again, I mean, we have the shrine bowl and the uh, senior bowl this week. And then, um, you know, right after the super bowl, you got the combine coming up and, and things kind of heat up. So there's going to be a lot of different things going on. And I think I was reading something, can't remember who put it out, but there was something that basically said that the senior bowl is kind of the official start to a lot of off season talks in terms of, you know, different teams meeting with different agents. And although it's tampering technically, when you're talking to an agent about a player, that's about to be a free agent, obviously it happens all the time. And this could also be a time, um, you know, for some of these teams that may be looking to trade up where they may at least start to open those lines of communication up a little bit. I think, think by the time the combine rolls around we'll have a little bit better of an idea because i think really the big thing that's holding a lot of things up right now is the fact that there's only what two teams right now that have hired head coaches um so i mean there's still you know the gm spots are filled uh, only two of the six head coaching spots are filled it sounds like uh, D'Amico ryan's is going to be the the texas head coach at any point in time but you know there's still multiple teams right now they're kind of floundering around trying to figure out what they're going to do and i think that that's kind of holding up the process because you look at the colts the colts are one of those teams the texans still technically don't have a head coach uh the panthers are a team that could be interesting uh now that they have uh now that they have frank reich as their head coach like a lot of this trade-up stuff and a lot of the movement that's going to happen for the draft and even when you're looking at free agency uh with some of these different names um you know a lot of that is kind of yet to be determined because of the amount of movement that still needs to go on you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, and and you know events like this, they're all in the same places. Like the, the GMs, they all know each other and stuff like that. Everyone's going out to the same restaurant. It's kind of just like the scouting combine, but scouting combine isn't really, you know, tampering because it's so much closer to the draft, stuff like that. I do think, you know, we will see a lot of this stuff start to heat up um, in terms of trade talk at the scouting combine, maybe after the pro days. That's kind of generally when 
you know, teams start to really fill out their draft boards. You get to meet with prospects. Um, you get to see them work out, things like that. I think the Bears, obviously, you know, they have their draft board kind of setting up, stabilized a little bit. Um, they're going to move, add some players. That's kind of what this game is for, getting a look at some players that might be on your radar, kind of getting a feel for them. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, are going to be at the combine as well. So you'll have conversations at the senior bowl. You'll have conversations at the combine pro days, kind of establishing that relationship. Um, yeah. So there, you know, there is definitely value there. This is big for the players too, you know, to kind of up their draft stock a little bit um, and kind of work towards that goal of, of uh, being drafted as high as you can. So I do think there is value for Luke Getze, especially, you know, as a coordinator who probably will want to become a, a head coach eventually and will get a chance eventually um, if the Bears offense especially is good. So, yeah, there, there's still some value with this whole thing. And, and um, on the Bear Report, we're, we're definitely going to have you covered. I, I just put out um, some prospects to watch. We'll be watching the whole thing all week and then definitely leading into the Combine. Um, so it's an exciting time because like, as, as Aaron and I have said, I mean, the bears have the number one pick. They have a lot of cap space. They have full control pretty much of this off season. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, you know, we're, we're about a month away from when things really kind of kick off. Like I said, usually the combine, as we all know, the combine is really the, the official kickoff of the off season. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like I'm just ready to get the Super Bowl over with because um, I feel like once the Super Bowl ends and, you know, you kind of get an idea because like Derek Carr, for example, like Derek Carr is one of those dominoes that needs to happen and, uh, you know, free agency and all that stuff. Well, I guess it's not technically free agency, but he needs to be traded by, I think it's like the 15th of February, which is coming up pretty quickly. And then obviously the Aaron Rodgers decision and we got to figure out what's going on with Tom Brady. But I think we're going to see because of, the amount of things that are kind of up in the air and how many teams are looking to switch out quarterbacks and are looking for new quarterbacks and everything else that's going on. And the lack of really the amount of the lack of resources around the league right now in terms of cap space and stuff like that. I think that we're going to see a lot of movement earlier this year, just because there is so much to get figured out. And then obviously, you know, the franchise tag deadline will kind of follow all that, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're about a month away from things really getting moving and then it's just going to be, it's going to be craziness from there on out. I mean, really the only thing we got to watch for with the bears over the next few weeks outside of the draft stuff is how they're going to fill their uh, defensive backs coach role. Uh, the two guys that they've targeted so far, Chris Harris and Jerry Gray have both, uh, you know, gone the different teams. So that'll be interesting. Obviously it's not a coordinator position or anything like that. And I think it also could be interesting too, once some of these other head coaches start getting hired, if any, of the Bears assistant coaches are going to end up getting poached. I know their assistant offensive line coach, Austin King, is at an interview. And then I know that there was some rumbling. I think it might have been Brad Biggs earlier on uh, before the offseason was saying that Chris Morgan, their offensive line coach, is actually somebody that a few teams could be targeting for an offensive coordinator position. So it's it's going to be there's going to be some small movements here and there. Um, I don't think we're going to see any cuts. I don't think we're going to see any crazy trades. I don't think we're going to see that number one overall pick being traded um, before probably I'd say what the end of March, beginning of April, but there's still plenty of uh, storylines that should start developing. Uh, but we're still, still a few weeks out from, you know, all the fun getting going. Yeah. It's going to be a fun off season, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm starting to put together all the content and stuff for the site, which will kick off tomorrow, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a blast. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Where can everyone read your work? 
Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. And as always, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Um, please rate, review, subscribe. All major podcasting platforms helps us, helps picks for polls, all that good stuff. And we'll have you covered um, everything this offseason, free agency, the draft, mini camp, training camp, and then into the regular season as well. Till next time, everyone, please stay safe.